0: Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from X-Growth. Each episode, we bring you B2B leaders to learn about their successes, fails, and what's working for them in the market. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. That's right, you can rate on Spotify now and share the pod with a friend. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack to connect with our members. That's enough from me. Let's dive right into today's episode.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with X-Growth and today we're talking about communities. Everyone in the B2B space talks about the importance of building communities, but not many offer a structured path to actually building one. Most of the advice is high level and ambiguous and lacks practicality. And that's why I'm talking to Matthew Hunt, founder, at Automation Wolf, about how to practically approach building B2B communities. On that note, let's dive in. Matthew, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, same over here. You know, as I said, there's a lot of fluff when it comes to communities. There's a lot of people that say, you know, yeah, you got to build a community. That's how the way to go about it. And when you kind of dig in and, and look for the the step by step of like what are some of those recommendations it's all crickets so let's I want to start with the basics first of all how do you how do you define in the B two B sense how do you define a community
2: yeah sh- sure well to me I think there's a lot of communities out there but the question is like what what will attract your ideal audience to them and also I think we need to look at you know how much time do you have to commit to your community to decide on what kind of community you want to build, whether it should be online or offline and, you know, how you're going to outreach to those individuals. So there's a couple things I think that we need to understand. So, so one is, I think the first concept to really understand is this, is that your ideal customers or prospects or your ideal, even like talent pool that, that you might want to even attract talent from are not invisible And they can all buy from you. So, the biggest problem with inbound and outbound marketing in general is it's always super focused on the people who are in market, you know, which is only 1% to 3% of people, which means 97% of the other people are not ready to buy at this moment. And so, when you reach out with an outbound message and you're like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this particular thing, it very often fails you if you spray and pray enough eventually you're going to get someone who says yes because they're in market but the reality is most of them can't so you need to have some sort of mechanism and community is a good one to invite people to so you can put them in a controlled environment because all the community is is a controlled environment where you can leverage the network effect to start building goodwill and reciprocity with those group of people here's what i always like to say to people i go let's just imagine you you know let's just imagine that you are website designer. Okay. And you build, you know, funnels and website design landing pages for, let's just say fractional CMOs, like let's assume that you niche down to something specific. Well, if you put a thousand of them into a room and you ask them who here in the next 90 days is going to need a funnel or a new website design or rebrand or something like that. Well, you're going to see that one to 3% of them raise their hand. But if you change the question to, who here out of all you fractional CMOs, so there's thousands thousand a room between now and the end of your career is going to need some help with a funnel design work, a website, a rebrand or something like that. Well, they're all going to raise their hand so they can all buy from you. And so when you do inbound and outbound marketing, it's a little bit limited in thinking because you're only targeting the bottom one to 3%. What you want to be is preemptive to building that relationship with those individuals. And so if you offer community to them, often that's a great way to do that in a controlled environment. And when you have them in a controlled environment, it feel, and a community almost feels like an invisible marketing funnel. And so you can add a lot of value there. Now, the second thing you need to understand is you can't just have any old community. It has to be very, very specific because birds of a feather wanna to flock together, right? I mean, at the end of the day, people wanna be around other like-minded people like them. It can't be so broad that it doesn't feel special to them. And in fact, if you can give the illusion or even create a process where you can make it be more like a secret society, a mastermind dinner, it make where it's a little bit difficult to get into this community, then it get, becomes even more attractive. You know, this is why you see like Comic-Con, like people will travel around the world to go to Comic-Con events. So you'll see people who will drive to hang out with other people who are into cars, but not any cars. Like they're either into Corvettes, or like they're into a particular model or a particular year, et cetera, like that. Well, it's the same thing when you're building a community for B2B, you wanna make it really specific. And so, you know, if you're, you know, if you're trying to do something about get in touch with CMOs, like don't make it about marketing in general, make it really specific that it's a mastermind for CMOs, especially for those roles where there's only one person in an organization, you know, they always feel like they're alone. They don't really get to be around other people, other peers, and that's really what they're looking for this is one of the reasons why they go to trade shows or conferences they don't go to the trade show and the conference to have the conversation at the booth or to see the speakers on stage they go to the conferences and the trade shows because they want to have the conversations with the other cmos at lunch or around the coffee table or happy hour or at dinner afterwards and generally speaking that's where the deal happens. So, another thing that people need to understand is when it comes to B2B or any kind of major purchasing decision, you know, this is not something I invented. It was um I believe the gentleman's name is uh, Dan Priestley, but don't don't quote me on that. He wrote a book called Oversubscribed. In one of the first few chapters, he talks about the 7114 rule, okay? And so anytime that someone's making a major purchasing decision like a car or where they're going to invest their money, or a major B2B decision where you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe millions of, of dollars a year, you need to have established at the end of the day that, you know, you need to know that you've hit this seven eleven four 4 rule. And so the 7 4 rule is this. It takes seven hours of someone being exposed to your brand and your messaging before they're familiar with you, like really familiar. They almost start getting into that sort of, you know, there's no like and trust, right? When no selling can take place until someone knows you, likes you and trusts you. Well, this starts moving you towards this like stage, probably, possibly even the trust. Now the, the other rule is 11. It takes 11 interactions with someone before someone is open to buying from you. And this was this is a study done by Google. And this is where the Google ended up coming up with this information a number of years ago, the zero moment of truth. There was always the first moment of truth, but they realized, no, 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 there's something even before that, which is the zero moment of truth. And you need to have these interactions. Well, when you have a community, what does that do? It creates more interactions. You know, you need to have seven of them. If you're in a community, in a Slack community, and you go back and forth 11 different times, you start to move yourself from acquaintance or even away, from stranger and stranger means danger to maybe friend and when you're a friend you have trust and so the whole goal at the end of the day is to really look at that trustometer and go where where am i in this in this trustometer game am i just at no am i at like am i at trust and remember you really shouldn't do any selling until you have trust and the last one is four which is four different locations someone has like had an experience with you so you know if you had one at a sporting event because you took them out to, to the hockey game maybe you had another one because it was at the golf club or maybe the yacht club or the supper club you, you get the idea Th- these fundamentals have never never changed we we need to fast track that and so community is a great way to be able to do that And it's a great way when you do cold outreach since your ideal prospects are not invisible instead of doing like a direct pitch you can make an offer to join something that's very attracted to them that's like a secret society a secret community and this can be both online or offline and so you have to decide which one works best for you and you have to decide which one works best on you based on your time commitment so running something like a facebook group or a discard group Or, you know, uh, a Slack group or something like that requires effort and time. So, sometimes if you don't have a lot of time, the best thing to do is just set up a local mastermind dinner in your area with your ideal prospects that you want to build a relationship with. This is more than enough. You got to eat anyways. And if you invite them out to the mastermind dinner, you know, This is for, you know, CIOs at this particular company or whatever. They're very open to coming out for dinner, cover the dinner. And it's not about pitching. It's all about building the relationship because you're trying to do what? Fast track the seven hour rule. The lever 11 interactions and the four different locations. If you can hit those, those three things with that, I guarantee you, they're going to say to you, what do you do? Or they're going to know a lot about you, or they're going to send you, they're going to send you referrals or they're going to invite you to throw your hat in the ring when you, when you do it. And even if they don't, I guarantee you that they're going to see your stuff much more often or pay attention to your content much more often because they have that sort of belly to belly relationship with you. So, so those are some good examples of doing this. And I've done many different communities, both offline and offline. So I used to uh, run before COVID a regular mastermind dinner, always in my local community. Easy, easy win, fun thing to do as well too. Two, I would always run a local meetup and a meetup was great because what I would do is I would run and ask me anything. So I would invite out people who I wanted to be ideal clients for me and ask them to speak at the meetup. And then I would also invite out other junior people who I wanted to be my talent. And it became a great way to add value to the community locally. Great way to find talent and also great way of featuring my ideal prospect, making it about them as opposed to me. And all good marketers know that at the end of the day, when you are doing a really good job, you're always making your ideal clients and prospects the hero of the story. Your job is to direct, produce The movie that's about them, not about you. You know, the challenge is it's always so many people are always like me, 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 me. But we have to remember that we all tune into our favorite radio station, which stands for WII FM, which just is what's in it for me. Right. So just keep in mind that it's not about your services or your products. It's really about the relationship and the trust that you have with the community. What most people think they need is they think they need more leads, more sales. But the reality of the root cause of what they really need is they need more trust and more community. And the byproduct of trust and community is leads and sales. And the funny thing about it is when you get really good at this, you can suck at sales, need less salespeople. To close deals because you're going to close them more frequently and you can charge more because we don't buy based on price we buy based on relationship
1: i love it i love it matthew let's let's dive a little bit deeper into your own experience right so you talked about you um had a regular mastermind going so if if an if a if a marketer send down and be like that's a great idea you know how do i get started with that what would, you, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, so the first thing, it's really simple. So if you want to get into very specific tactics, step one is pick a place that is central, good parking, right, good transit, that you can run a dinner the same bat time every single month in a restaurant that is not too loud and noisy, that has an array of different foods that will suffice for everybody's uh, dietary needs or preferences. Okay. You want it to have a table that's exclusive depending on how many people you're going to have there. So specifically, if you're going to have four or five people that are there, you want it to be a round table. If you're going to have as many as eight, which is probably as much as you want to uh focus it you want it to be a rectangle table and you want to sit at the top you want to get all the ordering out of the way and you want to tell people to order by the glass not by the bottles you want to have a very definitive start time and end time okay for it the best time to do it is usually a tuesday or a wednesday it's early in the week people will show up because there is uh, at the end of the week they tend to like lose the week and that's when you are get higher cancellations You also wanna have it usually between the hours of six and 8 p.m. The reason being is so that people can get back and tuck their kids in before they go to bed. When you have the event, you wanna use the ROSE format. The ROSE format is simply a structure to be able to make the meeting actually useful so instead of just having another networking dinner another steak dinner you want them to walk away with the feeling like wow that was really useful and it was really helpful to me individually and the business that i'm participating in and so the rose format does that what you do is you say we're going to follow the rose me- method or format which is you're going to state you're going to state one petal." one bud and one form and we're gonna go around the table and we're gonna help each other out okay and the reason why we do that is that the the the, the petal is something that went really good in the business recently that you did all right the bud is something that you're excited about that you're going to launch and the form is something that's a pain in the ass that you don't know how to solve and you would love other people to help solve that problem for you And when you create that structure and you go around, it adds a lot of value to everybody that they walk away from that going, wow, that was really productive and really, really helpful. It really felt like a true mastermind at the end of the day. And you want to make sure that the very beginning that you lead with the Vegas rule, what happens at the dinner stays at the dinner and you want to lead off with the Rose format being vulnerable yourself to begin with so that others will open up as well too. And if you do that and you edit a very specific time, people will be like, that's amazing. And they're going to want to know a hell of a lot more about you and what you do and and how they can help you because it just helped them in their personal lives and in their professional lives uh, a ton. And then what ends up happening is if you do it long enough, people start talking about it and then it becomes that secret society that everybody wants to belong to. They'll start saying, oh my God, have you been to Matthew's dinner yet? And you can even ask them for referrals and be very clear on the type of people that you want to have invited to this particular dinner or not. Um, and this works for like team members too. This help You can do it at lunch. You can do it at a breakfast. You, you know, you can run this. It doesn't necessarily it can be a founder's happy hour. It doesn't have to actually be a dinner. There's lots of different ways that you can slice and dice this, or if it's not in the budget to do a dinner, do, do a, do a coffee one, you know? Coffee is very inexpensive way to be able to do this. It's, it's about getting the right people together. And be strategic about the people that you're reaching out to. Do your research. Build a list, a dream 120 list. Most people don't need a list any bigger than that. Most people are too busy just spraying and praying and contacting everybody instead of leading with intention, but why not do the intention? Have a very strong invite out with a really good personalized sentence on the first one on your cold email, you know, say something really worthwhile, explain what it's about, delight them through the experience. You want to make the experience like the way most people feel when they open an iPhone box or an Apple box, like they keep the box. Right. Make sure you send a thank you card afterwards of the experience. Even you can go as far as like some things that we do. I do this with clients is, you know, when a client starts, we figure out what all their goals are. We write it down, whether we're a part of that KPI or not. Doesn't matter. I want to know what they're all their goals are. I'm going to send them a thank you and a bottle of champagne. And I tell them to put in the fridge and we're going to open it in a year from now when they hit their goals. And so this is this is just a great way of, of delighting people, right? Over and over and over getting value. Another thing that I do after these meetings is I tend to send books. A lot of times there's books that come up or references that I talk to. And every couple months, I'll mail some lumpy mail with a book and a little sticky note in it. And a little section, I think, that, that would really improve their business and their lives. And because I delivered the information, I didn't have to be the originator of it. It usually, And if it's tied towards a service that we also provide... It just hits their heartstrings in, in that great way you want him in the gut the heart or or at least the funny bone to get their attention and this is a great way of having another interaction that's really really cheap so it's the relationship that you want to build you want to make those those deposits of trust equity right if you can create that experience it's very very powerful you have to remember though it's a long process so you have to understand that it's short-term pain for long-term gain but generally speaking i've never had a dinner where i didn't walk out with at least a referral or even a a client, you know, they may not have closed at that moment, but that was the lead domino to everything else. I guarantee if I said, Hey, watch this video afterwards or watch this webinar, they're going to, they're much more likely to watch it because of that relationship, as opposed to me trying to just get them to watch some random women, when I'm a stranger. It's just, it's just absolutely crazy that we, and, and this is, this goes back to day, day, like day one, man, like we're human beings are really, really simple. Like you have to remember that. We were all chimpanzees at one time. You know, we we all have that that lizard brain, that croc brain, and we all move away from pain and towards pleasure. And we all make decisions emotionally based on fears, frustrations, wants, and aspirations. And our goal is to create a little bit of attention and and tap those notes. I mean, later on, we'll justify it logically and say, oh, no, they were the best provider. It has nothing to do with someone being the best provider. or whose website was cleaner or what their case studies were like or even who they worked with it, it comes back to again like how did you make me feel <laughs> right and that's what they remember they don't always remember what you said or and, and to be honest with you if you're being really honest with most b2b companies like go ahead and find all your competitors find 10 of them open it up in in your in in whatever browser you want different tabs and just go from tab to tab to tab and just look at it for like 20 seconds, and then 20 seconds, and 20 seconds, and you guys all look the same. It's very rare that someone stands out, nor is any of your copy or anything going to really transform someone at that point. The, the reality is you need the 7, 11, and 4 rule. 7 hours, 11 interactions, 4 locations.
1: Track that. Really interesting. So that's, that's how you would go about... Kind of tracking, and it's not it's not just about the community, but but you you when it comes to tracking the success of the community, that's one of the elements you want to have, and and that's one of the KPIs you want the community to to um, contribute to. Is that is that correct?
2: So what you're looking to do is you're looking to create an experience, right? So most people are tracking MQLs, SQLs, and opportunities. Well, as soon as you start labeling things this way, you've already led the whole team down the wrong path. Instead, create an experience, right? And look, and and you can look at leading indicators of success versus lagging indicators of success. Of course, the lagging stuff is: do they turn into marketing qualified leads or sales qualified leads and opportunities and clients? But the time you figure that out is so damn late. You know, most B two B buying cycles are very, very long. But it can, you know, and I always tell people at the end of the day, for every lagging indicator of success you have, you should have, have at least two leading indicators of success. And so a really easy lead, leading indicator of success is like, did you build the right list? I mean, your ideal prospects and clients are not invisible. It's very easy to find their contact information today. Never been easier. There's a gazillion tools for you to find everything that you want from them, including their social media. So if you can find it all, then you have to go, okay, we found the contact information. If we have the right contact information, the right list, well, that's a good start because it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Two, you say, what is going to be the experience that we want to create? What will be the the first thing that we're going to do? And how do we fast track this period of getting seven hours of time in front of them, 11 interactions in four different locations, What are we going to do to do those things? Well, one of the things that I do that guarantees this is when I send someone to these things, I send them to a landing page about the mastermind dinner and have a little video about it. So they get a little bit more information about it. But I keep this allows me to keep the email short, but it still creates the click because curiosity kills the cat. They're going to click on the page. And what am I going to have on the page? I'm going to have something called pixels. Once I've pixeled someone, what will I be able to do? I will be able to guarantee that my content shows up to that individual, right? And I want my content, I don't want my ads to be direct response ads. Not yet. It's too early, right? Got to play a little bit of the game. And I want the content to be very value added, you know? And I want to start looking at creating snackable content that adds value and builds good content will, right? And and the why is it need to be snackable? Well, because they're in the news feed. And when they're in the news feed, we're there to consume snackable content. We're not there to consume long-form content yet, right? That will come later. And then, you know, that that will be running in the background as they have these interactions with me guaranteeing that they're always going to constantly see me where it feels like I'm everywhere, but it always feels like I'm adding value and goodwill right? So it gives me an opportunity to do one to many selling. The next thing I'm going to do is they're going to be at my event. That is also leverage. If I have five people to dinner, that is one to many selling. Also, you don't need seven hours when you have the belly to belly experience. It's really like killing three hours, right? Uh, So it shortens the amount of how many hours you need because you had that belly to belly experience. You had some laughs, you broke some bread, you know, you didn't try to do a bait and switch and try to sell them. You know, and and most people, when you do things like that and you help people out, most people follow, you know, if you ever read any of the books like Robert Robert Caledani, I can't say his name properly, but he wrote Persuasion and Persuasion. But in Persuasion, this is the laws of reciprocity. When you give value to people, they feel the need to give it back. (laughs) And even even if they can't do business with you, they're going to like make referrals off. They're going to be like, you're a likable person. Cause remember we don't buy from, who we don't know, like, and trust, and they can't trust you if they don't like you and they can't like you if they don't know you. So it always falls back to these three pillars that you're doing as well. Too, you need to look at the three pillars. There's short form, long form, controlled form. And so short form is discoverability and staying top of mind with these individuals. Long form is where they you get to demonstrate your ability and it's longer form. It could be a podcast, a workshop, a webinar, a dinner, all of these different things. That is that is long form, okay? And then controlled form is that community aspect where you put them in a controlled environment where you can continue to keep building goodwill. And it needs to be something that they really care about showing up to, almost like a secret society, you know. And you can even earn money with your communities. There's a lot of communities that I know where people earn a ton of money with it. So like one of the most connected men in the world is probably Joe Polish. And he has two communities. He's got 25 K club and hundred K club. And it literally is what it is. It's you got to pay $25,000 to belong to this. You get to go to four events a year, network online once a month with these individuals, these, these high net worth individuals. And because there's a barrier to entry, that's not cheap. You know, it attracts very high quality people right and then and so he has 300 members in that one and then he has one that's 100k where there's 100 members in it and so he's making money on his secret society never mind all the other deals that come from it afterwards and his only goal of that community is to grow people's businesses introduce them to each other make them better entrepreneurs period right and there's a ton of these situations where it looks like this and so you know there's even a story that Dan Sullivan did from Strategic Coach he told a story he's another one who builds community with entrepreneurs another and he does the podcast with Joe Polish they they co-market a particular podcast together and he talks about how a gentleman, it was only 10 grand to join strategic coach at the time. He's like, do you want to join? And he's like, no. And then it was 15K. He's like, it's 15. You missed it on the 10K. Don't you enjoy? He's like, no, I'm not ready to join right now. And then it was 20. And he said, do you want to join? And then it became 25. He's like, are you ready to join? He's like, yeah, now I'm ready to join. And he's like, why are you ready to join now? You could have gone in when it was 10K. He said, I didn't want to join your, your community, your group, until I knew I was going to be around other entrepreneurs who could afford the 25K, because then I knew I would be around a higher quality of entrepreneur, people who think strategically different. Isn't that interesting, right? And isn't it always true like that with clients too? It, it, it you know Generally speaking, the more you end up charging, <laughs> the higher quality client you usually end up attracting at, at the end of the day, because they, they see a bigger picture. Because the right kind of clients don't ask, how do I lower the cost per lead or the cost per acquisition that I get? The, the higher quality entrepreneur says, how can I spend more than my competitors to acquire a customer? They think completely and acquire differently.
1: acquire a better customer
2: and a better customer they think completely differently because they're looking how to put their competitors at a business because they know that if they can a- afford to pay more than their competitors can competitors can't keep up it's not always about lowering right the the, the cost or even the, that's a newbie like pay, pay-per-click manager mistake right the 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 this sort of says lower my cost per lead and then they end up doing that and 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 then they go and they go look how good we're doing We're lowering all your your cost of lead one from like a hundred bucks to fifteen dollars. Isn't that amazing? You know, and we we went from like 50 leads to 200 leads and the client starts freaking out I don't know what the hell you guys are doing you guys like I know you're telling me you send me all these leads But my revenue is way 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 down and the reality is they followed the instructions they were told instead of doing a cost per acquisition or getting the feedback loop all the way to the end, because the reality was even though the cost per lead was some of them were 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, those are the ones that were closing, right?
1: Yeah, so somebody else is getting those now.
2: Yeah, someone else is getting those now, right? So, so it's not, you got to be careful what inputs you put in. And this is what I'm always talking about. People are putting in the inputs of like, How I want more leads, you know, or even like people who want to fill their calendar. I'm like, why do you want to fill your calendar? That's not, that's not the goal. And really good marketing spends 50% of the time attracting and 50% of the time repelling. You want less sales appointments, but you want high intent ones coming in. And when you have like so many appointments, then you need appointment setters and people to do pre-qualifying and to do the discover calls. You need more salespeople, more people equals more problems. I've never seen where you add more people to an organization where there's, where where
1: there's less problems ever. And things become, become smoother. No, that never happens.
2: Exactly. You want less, right? And you want to find ways to systems and automation systems in place that repels all the wrong people. So you only get the right people. So I'd rather have, you know, three sales appointments a week that, but them all be high intent and, you know, two out of the three close than me having 20 appointments where only two out of the 20 close. It's, it's, you gotta be careful with the inputs, the same thing where I'm talking about here. Like if you, if you set the journey of like, oh, it's about experience, it's about community and it's about trust that you're measuring. And if you're measuring things like the seven, 11 and four, everything becomes really, really different. And you don't have to work so hard. Like so many people are spending so much money on their website and content. I have grown many businesses with one page with one 10 minute amplifier video on it. Nothing else. No FAQs, no about page, no team page, no blog, no podcast, no nothing. And yet I can scale that business with just that in a community. One simple offer, just a mastermind dinner. The, if you go and look at your analytics, the truth is people are really not spending a lot of time on your website. They're, they're just not. And, and 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 honestly, if you're going to be the person, it's the 1% in the marketplace that does the 10X content better than anybody else. Generally speaking, most people do it very poorly. Which doesn't help you anyway so you're just spinning your wheels on this hamster wheel doing all this unnecessary work you know if you look at the 80 20 rule generally speaking 20 percent of what you're doing is driving the results now the reason why people don't know what's working is because they have a tracking problem and they're using typical SaaS software to do their tracking, their CRMs or their HubSpots or Marketos or Salesforce's or PipeDrive. You just name it, all, all of them. They're all set up wrong and give you imperfect information, especially if you're getting it from an inbound marketer. And I've owned an inbound marketing agency because you can skew the data right, based on what, what how you decide to slice it and dice it. It ain't, it ain't always true. Same thing with outbound. you know. And the reality is is most people are doing tracking wrong. They know 50% or 25% of their marketing is working. They just don't know which one, and it's and it's really easy to fix. They need to stop counting on all these software tools to tell you because the tracking, the attribution is broken anyways. It's hundred percent broken. You already know you need to be everywhere, and everybody is everywhere. So like that's a no, that's a no brainer. Like divide your budget up between, <laughs> divide your budget up between all of them. But what you need to do is you need to you need to put an empty field on your form when they fill it out. Says how did you hear about us? Not a drop down of a selection empty field and then later on you can take that information and put it because some people are going to put down like hey matthew sent me over here but that'll be marked down as referral later and when you run that you really start seeing what's driving your sales and then when they get on the sales call and the discovery call you have to train your salespeople to ask these three questions really well the first question is how did you hear about us where they can manually mark it down into one of those buckets two is what content do you remember interacting with or what was the thing that triggered you to fill this thing out what they remember. And three, the last thing, how long have you known about us? So you can understand how long that buying journey is for you. That information is going to give you all the information you need to know to do that. You don't need software to get it right. And generally speaking, all the software is lying anyways. And all the other marketers that you're paying are lying too because they have their own agenda to justify why they're keep getting paid. And then if you do that for a year, I guarantee at the end of the year you're going to have become really clear of what's working. And what you're going to realize is it kind of boils down into three major buckets short form, long form controlled form. no like, trust. Discoverability, ability, community. And you can use lots of different tactics and strategies to do that, but the way you make the decision tree is based on your time. How much time do I need to put in? You know, effort. How much effort do I need to do? And what is the results from that particular effort? And it's usually not the money that's the issue. The main issue for most companies, particularly if they're bootstrapped and they're starting out is it's always a time thing. Even with like funded startups at the end of the day, they have loads of money. At the end of the day, they just don't have enough bodies. Like the reality is we all have the same problem, which is time is a non-renewable resource. And so yes, there's lots of cool things that you can do, but if it requires your time or your time to manage people, or to come up with the process, that's a problem. Also, the people need to make decision too. like a lot of times, you know, particularly for marketing agencies, they tend to have what's called the cobbler's kids goes with no shoes syndrome, which is yeah,
1: they they're so busy really taking care address, of their team.
2: They yeah, they're they're doing such a good job with their clients. They're doing a good. They're managing their team. They don't have time to look after their own stuff. And the reality mm-hmm. is, they end up having these years that pass. Where nothing took place, or they felt they could do it better than hiring someone else. Like you, you probably could, because you know how and you know what it looks like, and you have a particular voice and a thing that you want to hit. But you know what the net gain of nothing done is? It's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so even if it was only eighty percent done right, or even fifty percent done right to your liking, you know, it's better than it's not better getting than, done
1: than not getting anything done. Correct. So you
2: really Absolutely. need to you really Absolutely. need you really need to hire and mar, most marketing agencies need to hire a marketing agency that do their own marketing, and they shouldn't handle it in house. And generally speaking, they're just being too precious about it all at the end of the day, which is which is not that important because it's it because I'll tell you something about content in general, when it comes to short form, long form, and controlled form, is that C plus content that is consistent will outperform any day A plus content that is inconsistent it's the consistent it's the consistency because remember again time seven hours we'll keep going back to this the 7 11 and 4 rule i can't i can't stress it enough right it's that's really what you're trying to do because you're trying to take them from no like trust consistency is no we get to know people with consistency we get to like people the more time we spend with them and their brand and their messages right and then we trust them the more you know the more actual interactions or locations that we get to be around them with right even even in a client relationship even once you onboard someone you have to realize that too this is why the first 90 days is so damn important for new clients if you set the first 90 days up right you can have a client easily they'll be on the right track for at least a year if not 24 and 36 months but if you set it up wrong Again, it's not the lead domino that knocks down all the others. You always got to look at what is that lead domino? Where am I spending that that effort? And so you got a little. You, sometimes you got to go a little slower before you can go faster. And then you got You got to get it just right. You know, a lot of times people are just trying to get new clients, new clients, new clients, new clients, new clients, instead of really just that. You know, the best you know client acquisition funnel is is delivering
1: never lose a customer yeah
2: freaking it never lose a customer exactly it's a great book right fantastic book what's his name
1: can't i can't recall his name but um joe joe uh joey coleman
2: yeah joey coleman that's it yeah great great book right
1: That's right. Exactly. There's
2: there's a guy who gets it. Another guy is Giftology, you know, Uh, the guy who wrote Giftology. I mean, there's so many of these. I mean, the messaging is coming back over and over and over and over again. And these are the fundamentals. Like, the reality is business has always been done at the golf course, the private one, the ski club, the yacht club, the supper club. Like, this is not something new at the end of the day. And then when it comes down to branding of being top of mind all the time, that is not something new. That has been around forever, ever. It's just all of these conversion you know marketers now or growth hackers i uh, think they have a bet- them, they yeah. think they have a better way but the reality is they don't it, the reality is that stuff is just kind of like interesting and and good at the top of mind when it's new because there's confusion in the marketplace and it's and it's interesting but as time goes on the market more matures it always comes back to those fundamentals
1: no i hear you Matthew. i hear you now this has been amazing. This has been, this has been awesome. I, I've, I've been really enjoying the points that you've brought up. I've taken a lot of notes about the, the roast format, the 7 rule, the, um, the one lagging indicators, for, for two leading indicators for one lagging indicator. Now, what I have is I have a couple of rapid fire questions. Before we wrap up, I got a couple of rapid fire questions I want to take you through and, uh, and I want to get your, your thoughts on these as well. Now, we, we talked about a lot of, uh, a lot of books. There are a lot of people who were referenced, right? But our, what I really want to find out is what is one resource? Again, it could be a book. It could be a blog. It could be a podcast. It could be whatever it is that has fundamentally or had a really massive impact on you, the way you work or the way you live. What comes to mind?
2: Oh, there's so many. Like I should, me,
1: give me the I first should... thing that comes to mind.
2: I would say like a good place to start that's really simple for people that'll take them, you know, five to ten minutes to do is to first read Jeff Kelly's essay of a thousand true fans. That that uh, would be, yeah. that would be a great place to start understanding this because at the end of the day, that's the primary goal. If any business really focuses on truly having a thousand true fans, you know, people who would drive to go see you or participate in you,
1: you're set for, for you set.
2: You're, you're set you're for set. life set for life at the What's end of the day. What's number
1: two? If you're going to get a number two, what will be number two? Uh,
2: I would say a, 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 the first one that comes to mind is Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. So I think you know something that's really greatly underappreciated if you are a leader in an organization is having clarity about what the vision looks like because your job as a leader to do two things it's to know exactly where you're going and be super clear with people because people are not mind readers you have to document it and so vivid vision is all about what your company is going to look, sound and be like in 3 years from now and you'll walk them through the journey of this and it should be a 3-page document again something you can, people can really easily understand and visualize so that you share it with your vendors, your partners, your team, your clients because if people don't know, They won't do it. You bring it up every quarterly at your quarterly meetings and so forth. And it's an exercise that probably takes you like half a day to do. And the way the book outlines you on how to do is really powerful. And then once you know where you're going, your second job is just to figure out who. And then once you find the right who, whether it's internally, externally, their job is to figure out the how and implement the how. So most leaders get oh, it backwards.
1: A little bit of Dan, Dan Sullivan stuff as well.
2: Correct, Dan Sullivan kind of stuff. So so again, at the end of the day, you're, you are you know, the challenge is people are so focused on figuring out the how and, you know, all of this other information, which is just a lot of noise. But it starts with being really clear about where, where you're going. You need to have a very, very clear vision. You know, and if there's probably something before that that you might want to do, like I would say that, you know, really learn something about positioning and understanding what your unfair advantage is you know so reading you know starting off with maybe a broad book like uh blue ocean where you learn how to get yourself out of the red ocean into the blue ocean would be good and then i would recommend like you know reading something like by april dunford or something like that her book on positioning i can't remember the name i think it's called obviously awesome but don't quote me on that again you know really understanding what makes you different you need to have a signature system where you need to be able to demonstrate that everybody else is treating the symptoms or doing it the old way and your way is the new and better way so in my example when we talk today the old way is leads and sales the new way is community and trust
1: love it love it
2: the old way is in inba- the old ways outbound and inbound the new way is demand gen like you you start to see the pattern again. The old way is using software to track your success. The new way is having one form field on your forms and having your salespeople ask like, Interesting questions, right? So, you know, th- th- you need to have that. And you need to always be stretching the gap. And, and what good marketing does, just sort of to interrupt you, is good marketing is is always creating tension, just like an elastic band. You know, you have to put fears and frustrations on one side and, and aspirations and want on the other. And when you have that and you stretch it, it creates tension. And when you have tension, people take action because you got to remember people move away from pain and towards pleasure. But if you take the elastic band, you only talk about aspirations and wants, and you. Then you have a loose, last band. If you take the other side and you only talk about, you know, f- fears and frustrations, you have a loose, last band. You always got to be playing with the, the tension, the old way, the new way, the old way, the new way, the symptoms versus the root cause. Like, so that's positioning at the end of the day. You really got to master that positioning and copywriting is super key on being able to get people to take action.
1: I love it. Question number two, if you could give one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would it be?
2: Stop spraying and praying with your marketing, but stop, stop focusing on the inbound marketing and the outbound marketing in the, in, in the traditional way, you know, that revenue, Aaron Ross's book, it's, it's 2010. You know, if we look at the HubSpot model, it's 2014. It's, it's, it's 2022. We need, we need to do better. The old way doesn't work anymore.
1: Last question is what is something that excites you about B2B today?
2: Oh, I've always enjoyed the B2B marketplace, but I would say that what I love about the B2B, besides the people that are involved, is I love, as a business model, I love anything that has reoccurring revenue in it and high ticket. I'm not excited by small ticket items that are B2C that require repurchase like you have to resell it each time that's that's a really hard business model yeah, really really difficult and so i'll give you the example of when i learned this i learned it when i served tables so i had a restaurant job it was high volume i turned like 80 tables a night and make like 130 bucks and then i quit that job and went to a fine dining restaurant and i'd have four tables a night and make three times the amount of tip you know, in, in the same night serving just the fact that just because the ticket price was higher, it was no much, no much harder work than the other one. It was just smarter work because it was on the right Business model. So, just the same thing as like a, a $500 a month client is the same amount of work as a $5,000 client, as much work as a $50,000 client. So, you might as well move up market and serve the ones that are bigger. Generally speaking, you're looking for like the Goldilocks zone, right? So, something that's not too hot, <laughs> not too cold at the end of the day, which is usually mid market, right? Is where you want to target. But I love B2B and I love it for those reasons.
1: Awesome awesome Matthew this has been an amazing conversation I've really enjoyed every every single point it was I, I was glued to the screen and I was I was uh listening to what you were saying so thank you so much for coming on the podcast really appreciate it and uh and look I, I actually look forward to uh to having you on again
2: awesome we will be very happy to come back
1: that's awesome Matthew thanks so much for coming thanks for your time thanks bye this episode
0: of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell. It was edited by Dave Samito, with additional editing and music also by Alexander Hipwell. Special thanks to Tina Wabe and Rod Hoda. We couldn't make this show without you. The show is hosted by Shaheen Hoda. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Yes, you can rate on Spotify now, so please do. And share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. If you'd like to connect with the members of Growth Colony, join our free Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support and we'll see you again in the next one. This podcast is brought to you by XGrowth an account-based marketing agency with a strong specialization in the APAC market. If you're starting to roll out an account-based marketing initiative in your firm or looking to take your current program to the next level, whether it's one-to-one, one-to-few, or one-to-many, don't try to do it all alone. Chat with the ABM experts at Xgrowth to see how they can help you both on strategy and execution of your next ABM campaign. To find out more, head to www.xgrowth.com.au. That's www.xgrowth.com.au.